Hi, and welcome to the Science Ready Podcast, where I talk to amazing women in science, music, and the arts. Today, I'm talking to Mary Erskine, um, also known as Me for Queen. Mary grew up in Scotland, uh, near the sea. She had years of classical training um, and also a father that was a blues guitarist. So that makes for an interesting mix of soul and folk. Uh, she um, compares uh, to artists like Regina Spector, Kate Bush and Carol King. And Mary has enjoyed support with Me For Queen from BBC Six Music, was recently on um, the show with Tom Robinson. Um, she's also um, written a song called Jessica that was included in one of Spotify's most listened to playlists, the most beautiful songs in the world. And recently she has been touring the UK to promote her new album, Loose End, which was recently really released in the summer. Uh, I'm also very excited about interviewing Mary because she was my piano teacher. So, well, um, yeah, without further ado, we'll just get started. Hi, Mary, how are you? Hi. Good, thank Good. you. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, was there anything I missed out um, in your bio? Um... No, I don't think so. I think it sounded pretty good. Okay, very good. Um, could you tell us a bit more about what you're... Basically, you were just recently touring, promoting mm -hmm. your new album. Um, could you tell us a bit more about the development of the album and and your tour as well and how it, how it went uh yeah so the do you mean kind of the putting together the album mm, or yeah, did the, sure. i mean most of the writing was done over the last 18 months um and then last summer actually when i released jessica i kind of I knew that I wanted to record an album, but I wasn't sure if, A, I could afford it. Um, so I put Jessica out as a kind of single, mm. thinking that I would like it to be on this next kind of body of work, but mm. I wasn't really sure uh, what that body of work was going to look like. Um, and then I went in for kind of a trial day with a producer almost exactly this time last year in October mm -hmm. um, with the lovely Jim, Jim Wallace. Um, and, uh, went really well and I was like, right, let's just do it. Let's book in some days before December. So we tracked 10 songs and then I wrote Loose End in <laughs> February and I was like, oh, that has to go on the album too. Mm -hmm. Um, and also maybe the album should be called Loose End. Um, so yeah, I love that kind of thing. I love, you know, being able to be flexible enough to, um, you know, to just kind of slightly change things up when you need to. Because I can't imagine the album without that song now. Mm. Obviously, it was the lead single yeah. and uh, the name of the album. Um, so, yeah. And then we recorded it in London, mostly mm. in December, a mm. little bit in February. Um, and then it was released. The first single came out in June. And then, yeah, touring and release of the rest of the album this month yeah. in September. Okay. So that's been the kind of arc. So it's been, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear about like the whole journey in development mm. and and then obviously ending with a tour to promote it. Yeah. Um, and so basically like the, going, going a bit further back as well about your musical journey and because you have a specific style, can you talk a bit more about the style of music mm. that you write? Yeah, I think I'm getting better at describing it. I used to just call it soul folk. 
Um, but the other day someone was asking for kind of like a snappy sentence, you know, um, and the problem is with folk is that some people think of folk as Mumford and Sons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some people think of folk as, you know, um, proper folk with like a fiddle and a accordion, um, yeah, yeah. and a very kind of, uh, I don't know, um, it's a very specific style. Um, but yeah, I would say soulful folk storytelling with a contemporary edge. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. I basically think it's better not to worry too much about genre. Yeah. Obviously, people need to know roughly how to kind of categorize you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me personally, I think you write the song and then you think about the production and you think about the kind of, you know, when I wrote Jessica. It never occurred to me that I would have a song on acoustic guitar and I would just release it, but just demanded it, you know. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make it work on the piano, so I physically had to learn how to play it on guitar. I had this kind of part that I I knew what I wanted it to sound like. I actually thought it sounded a bit boring (laughs) when I was... But but again, you have this sort of sense. I was Mm -hmm. like, I feel like this this is what this song needs, so I just just need to kind of follow that and, and let it happen. So I tried to find this guitar part, and that was really the first song that I could play on the guitar, mm. um, and because uh, it just didn't sound right on the piano. Um, and all of a sudden, you're in this slightly different genre because you have a song on an acoustic guitar. Mm. Where you know I've always been kind of piano led before that, um, and so it's just interesting where these things lead you in different directions. You know? Could you like? Thinking about the fact that you just said, obviously, it's a, it, it creates a different type of song when you play on the guitar compared yeah. to the piano. Can you talk a bit because you're a trained classical pianist, mm-hmm. like how that influenced kind of the song or how yeah. that kind of yeah came about, and how you view playing on the piano compared to playing on the guitar? Well, when you've been classically trained, it's actually a really nice. I mean, it's a lovely liberating thing to just pick up particularly an instrument like a guitar because it's so open you Mm. know and I kind of had this sense that it would be nice to try writing on another instrument just Mm. have a different kind of palette you know for this album um and so yeah so it's when you don't really know what you're playing half of the time I don't know what chord I'm playing which on the piano is for me would be crazy not to know the chord really Mm. sometimes I don't (laughs) because I'm quite lazy but 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 basically, you can see the notes, so mm-hmm. you can see what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the guitar, you're just kind of feeling, and you find these accidental. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people who even really experience guitarists find those kind of happy accidents, just because of the layout. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you can change one tuning, and all of a sudden, you've got this completely different kind of texture mm-hmm. and, and sound palette. Um, so um, yeah, I've, I've my band. It's infuriating for them because. Um, I have four songs and they're all in different tunings, which is really annoying. (laughs) But, you know, that's just the way they came out. And so I'll say there's one song which, and they're like, what tuning is this in? And I'm like, D major. (laughs) It's like D, F sharp, D, F sharp, uh, A, D, which for me is like a D major chord, you know? And they're just like, that's not a tuning. That's just... <laughs> um, but it is frustrating because you need to do a lot of retuning in a gig. So that's why we end up often having two guitars on stage okay. when we're only playing like three guitar songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just means that we don't have to do endless kind of... Yeah, fiddling around. Yeah, yeah. 
We still do, but, mm. you know, maybe just less because we have one extra guitar on stage. But it's fun. It's like, you know, happy accidents are just mm. one of the most magical things when they when they do happen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, yeah, lots of fun. Okay. No, that's, that's great, especially also when you... Um, you compare the two instruments that it's mm. um, that it can happen just by picking up a new instrument to try and, and develop these new songs and yeah, sounds exactly um, um. like coming back to your songs basically you you described your um, your style as a songwriter mm -hmm. as a storyteller basically mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a bit more about what it, how do you write your songs and kind of where do you get your inspiration from or um normally people like people are really interesting and um yeah it depends jessica was the first kind of character study mm -hmm. i've ever done really mm -hmm. when i've really thought about it's the most story song i've ever done where there is a you know a beginning a middle and an end mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. um which is more of a kind of country thing um, and I don't listen to very much country music, um, but I did go to this songwriting workshop with Gretchen Peters, who is uh, an amazing writer. And she had all of these different techniques, you know, for kind of finding your character's backstory and, you know, how to find these tiny little details that will just give your, your song so much more depth. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of where that came from because I started she kind of gave us a, an exercise to go away over lunch and write a backstory for the mm -hmm. character kind of do a free write where you just let your brain mm -hmm. kind of noodle um, and I was thinking of this one person in this conversation that we'd had um, and that's just where it all started so that was kind of um, yeah a very different approach which led to you know um, I think it is one of the best songs I've written yeah. I was, it took a long time to write it, but I knew, you know, from the first minute, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just a question of like, waiting, waiting, waiting. I tried so many times to, I was like, right, today I'm going to finish that song and you just can't, you know, it's, mm. it sounds a bit kind of wishy-washy, but either it's ready or it's not, you mm. know, and, it, and, you know, I would wake up at 4am and hear the first line and you know that's the really the stuff that you pray for really mm, yeah. um because when that does happen you really trust it because it's come from somewhere mm. completely you know somewhere in the universe you know and it's totally magical and you won't get that for every song yeah. sometimes you have to just work <laughs> yeah. and sit down and write lots so yeah each song has a slightly different kind of Sometimes you have to find them a bit more and give them a bit more help. Sometimes they just come out. Um, and, yeah, that's... Mm. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's interesting. I, I did this... Um, the camp, the Girls Rock London camp, mm -hmm. some time ago, where I joined the band. And, yeah. Um, and we did a workshop around songwriting as well yeah. then. And it was just like, you get two minutes, mm. and then you have to write whatever comes up in your brain. Yeah. And then you you end up with something and that's yeah. your song maybe yeah. or not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was so interesting because first you're like oh that's really I don't know if I can do that yeah. but then once you kind of get writing and you just follow your yeah. train of thought you have random stuff that comes in and it's, it is amazing and I always you know you always doubt it and you can sit there being like 
you know, I've definitely had moments, many, many moments when you're sitting at home being like, what am I doing? Like, this is just rubbish. Like the stuff I'm writing, you know, and then, and then your pen keeps going. You try and switch off that kind of critical voice. And then a really lovely line comes out, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but it's better not to analyze as you go. That's the worst thing that you can do. You kind of have to separate the two and just let yourself write Mm. without any criticism or any kind of like, what does that mean? Or, you know, um, yeah. Do you do that afterwards then? Yes. Yes. So I'll, sometimes if I'm doing a free write or something, Mm. I'll just go and go and go and go and go and maybe even not look at it for a few days Mm. or a few weeks, Mm -hmm. just come back to it. Um, there's a, one of my favorite lines in the album is on that song in the skin, which is about my friend and swimming, um, in the sea. And, uh, and it's two happy hippos rolling in a lazy tide. Um, and the happy hippos was just from a free ride. I was just trying to remember everything about that day. I was like, why was it such a beautiful day? Like, why did I just have this? We both had this kind of magical sense of calm, you know, and it just really felt like everything was in its place, you know? Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I was like, I have to get that happy hippos. (laughs) And every time I sing it, people are like, ha ha. Um, but it's, but it works on both, you know, I just love it. I just love the idea of it being happy hippos. And then I later realized I was like, oh, hippos have a thick skin. And as you know, Uh, I like that too. And they kind of spend time in the water. So yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it just works. So then later me. on, your brain is like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. You're way cleverer than you realize." <laughs> um, I love but, that. Um, but yeah, it's nice just finding little extra details, being like, "Oh, okay, so it's not completely random. You know, it kind of fits in." Yeah, sort of. <laughs> oh, it's it's awesome to yeah. hear like how you you get your songs together and how the process works as well. And mm-hmm. um, obviously, you've been my piano teacher, mm-hmm. um, and you've. But, so you've been teaching me as an adult, but you've taught a lot of kids. Yeah. Can you talk a bit more about how that influenced your musical, your music career as well? Or has it influenced anything? Or is it more you took something from your music into your teaching? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I actually don't know. I've, I've had a couple years off teaching now. Yeah. And we'll probably go back to it next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting just kind of thinking about it and and... Um, because I, yeah, it's always when it's not your, when I look at, you know, the, the lady who I trained with, this amazing woman called Kasha and teaching is just her life. You know, she's absolutely astonishing. Mm. Um, and, and I kind of always was just like, I'm just never going to be that focused. You know, I'm always going to want to go and write songs and do tours and stuff. Mm. Um, so I think I'm yeah maybe just waiting to grow up a bit more where I can just be fully um fully because you always feel like you're never quite giving enough it's sort of a bit like being a parent I guess you're always going to have a level of guilt you know um because um yeah I the the kind of academic side of it and the theory the bits that I find less interesting you know I'm always going to probably neglect them a little bit Whereas the other side, I think I can bring a lot of joy mm. and fun and, you know, and warmth to it, which mm. is what I remember from my teacher, my mm. very first teacher. I just remember 
I just, I loved her, you know, I loved her as a person and I just really wanted to play piano because I loved her. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was it. And she had this real joy about her and it was infectious, you know, we all just adored her and she had, she kind of created this circle of, you know, of, of children and parents and it was a real community. Mm. Um, and so that's one of my favourite things about, you know, teaching Suzuki because everyone's learning the same pieces and you really have a feeling that everyone is going through kind of growing together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so when it's the right time, see once this is born and I kind of work out like what the schedule is going to be. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's, always, uh, it's always a risk of like, I just wish that you could uh, somehow combine the, the touring thing with a more scheduled job it's just it is yeah. tricky sometimes you know yeah, yeah um so i would love to go back to it but um yeah it's trying to find a, a, a good balance i guess yeah, yeah basically yeah um to feel that you're giving both oxygen yeah okay no that's hmm. that's uh, definitely absolutely important as yeah. well to have that um so about your collaboration with other musicians i wanted mm -hmm. to talk a bit more about that as well um a common friend of ours basically you've been working with yeah create other bands yeah. in terms of developing music and then your own band yeah. developing your music how like how do you compare like working with other people in terms of their like being part of their band and then going into your solo yeah. project yeah um well in my experience you know when i first got to london and i joined talking color yeah yeah, yeah. shadow orchestra at the time yeah but, yeah um, I, it was kind of purely like a weird ambition. I just wanted to be able to be doing bigger shows and I wanted to have a big sound and mm -hmm. have lots of people on stage. And mm -hmm. I was excited that it was kind of, you know, this mix of like electronica and, you know, like a world that I didn't really feel that I had that much kind of, um, I didn't know that much about. Um, and from a songwriting point of view, it was really interesting because we would kind of, I guess generate these jams, mm -hmm. you know, as a five kind of instrumental stuff, which then I would go away and kind of take bits mm -hmm. and turn them into a song. Um, and now, as in today, thinking about like, you know, it just feels like a different muscle to mm -hmm. use. And, and I think you have to, uh, I think both ways are good. I think I'm slightly kind of not biased, but like, my opinion is a bit, um, I don't know, when I think about that time, it was also tied up with a, uh, my lack of confidence in my own songwriting ability. Um, and my kind of, I had this kind of sense that I wasn't enough on my own. So I had to be attached to a band mm. or I had to have more people on stage. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, So I find it hard separating those two things, you know. So if I were to say, yes, I'd fully like to go back into a band and, because it's hard, you know, it's very, very hard when you have four or five people. Like, you have to have a lot of wind in the sails to keep that boat yeah. <laughs> on course, you yeah. know, going in the same direction. Um, like, I honestly, if I hear someone's been in a band for like 10 years, it's I find it astonishing, mm. you know, um, because people have lives and stuff happens and, mm. you know. Um, and, yeah, to be totally honest, you know, you you... It's expensive, you know, to do your average gig in London with a four or five piece. Like, no one's going to be making any money unless you're really, 
up there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you have kind of financial pressures as well. Um, and, yeah, so to be honest, yeah, and, and with Talking Colour, we got pulled off into different projects. Um, and so the album was kind of, was just moving slower than I really wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was good in the end because it kind of pushed me finally into just being like, no, I can do this on my own. I'm just going to yeah. do more Me For Queen stuff and keep writing and keep writing and keep writing and not question it too much. Um, and that led to like this EP and then this, and then the album that followed. And I feel like now I'm in much clearer kind of state of mind. Um, and I do love collaborating with other people. Um, uh, but it has to be the right people. Yeah. Um, I think as you, it's the same with anyone, as you get older and you mm. find your style, you know, I still feel quite convinced that my best, best, best ideas don't come from sitting in a room with a notepad with someone else going, what should we write for the pre-chorus? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel more assured of that. And before, you know, in my 20s, I would be like, maybe that means I'm not a very good writer. You know, maybe that's just, I'm not doing it right. But now I'm just like, no, it's fine. Just like do whatever you need to do to find the best material, to, you know, to put yourself in a situation where you make your best work. Mm. Um, and I'm a lot clearer headed about that now. Mm. Um, and... You still doubt yourself, but but yeah, I definitely do. I was doing more co-writing in my in my 20s, um, which, yeah, I, I feel it's nice to have different energies. And it's, you know, some people are just great to be in a room with, you know, they're just going to be inspiring. And, and now I'm, you know, I'm, I have this writing project with a very good friend and, mm. um, you know, which I'm really excited by. Um, but we're very much like on the same level and mm. she's great to write with. I think if you find people who, who really inspire you, then you should definitely stick with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's nice because we both have, feel like we have the freedom to kind of do our own thing and then, you know, um, and she's been great as well. She's just had a baby yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. So that's been a kind of fun thing to, <laughs> to experience. To, yeah, yeah. Knowing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To kind of go through together. Um, yeah. But I think it's very valuable. I'm sure other singer-songwriters out there as well, like lacking that confidence initially and then actually gaining more and more by playing with other people. Yeah, exactly. And then taking that step, yeah, that leap yeah, of faith, yeah. like, I actually can do this yeah, and, and yeah, just yeah. go for it on my own now and yeah. develop it's, my own music. Exactly. Yeah. It's natural that you will, you know, there's not very many people who just wake up when they're, like, 15 and they're like, I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. Um, you know, it takes a lot of kind of does take a lot of like mad self-belief um and also it's fun having other people in the room you know Mm. it was really fun like when we did the cycling album you know it was nice having Mm. my friends around and and feeling like we were putting this album together Mm -mm. um and it was a lovely project to Mm. do together but you know the white bicycle um, yeah 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 um and yeah and I'm, I'm really proud of that album it's kind of um um I'm so glad that we did it. You know, it seemed like a really mad idea at the time, but you know, we all learned a mm. lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it, it means a lot to me that album. Yeah, in funny ways, even though there are some really strange songs on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I listen to most of them. I think, and... but you need to have the kind of freedom yeah, to be able to yeah. do that. I think I was kind of pushing against, you know, other influences of kind of thinking you have to take everything so seriously, and mm. you know 
because I have a sense of humour, like I'm quite a silly person, you know, I have a very serious side as well, but then also a very silly side, where like, I just can't take everything that seriously, and so for me, that album was about like, you know, can we write, can we find somewhere in between where we write these songs, which, you know, because it's lovely to be able to stand up on stage and say, oh, these songs are all about cycling. Mm-hmm. And people laugh, you know, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can't all just write about heartache all the time. Mm. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with heartbreak songs, but um, but sometimes it's good for your brain just to push you in other directions yeah, and yeah. see, you know, what's the weirdest thing you can write a song about. <laughs> but that's amazing, yeah, it's true. It's like you say, it's, it's kind of what comes up and what you want to write about and what feels right at the time yeah. to bring out and yeah, yeah, yeah. and just like yeah music is it puts you in a certain state of mind as well and mm. depending on what the song is about mm. it just brings you somewhere and yeah um, exactly so um, okay very cool um, maybe going back to your dad yeah because he's a blues guitarist he is a blues guitarist and um, I was yeah. wondering is there obviously blues folk? It kind of there is some kind of link, I guess, in between. Well, I uh, think I think that led me towards more like, um, you know, considering like we were in rural Scotland, mm, yeah, you know, um, like m- more black artists, mm-hmm. like to be, you know, um, that's basically it. Like we were listening to kind of. Um, yeah, he listens to a lot of blues. And, like, I just remember Muddy Waters, mm-hmm. a lot of Muddy Waters. Um, and, you know, jazz stuff as well. But, like, um, yeah, that definitely that definitely had an influence. Because, weirdly, like, in my teenage years, like, my brothers and sisters were listening to a lot of, you know, kind of in, more indie stuff. Mm-hmm. And you want to find your own kind of niche. And somehow I found myself going back to, like, more R&B stuff and, mm-hmm. you know... Um, and I had my fair share of like shitty nineties R and B, but like also like you know, um, yeah. So I feel like that that was kind of quite influential because, um, yeah, I've I'm obviously you know and people say like I can't remember what it is, which sometimes it'll be a song and they'll be like that just sounds so English, it sounds so. You know, and I'm like British, <laughs> so I'm not English. Um, but um, yeah, so it still sounds like me, obviously. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I've always kind of you know been drawn to a nice wide. Yeah. Did it? Thing. Did it influence? That's actually a question I wanted to ask for a very long time. Yeah. Possibly the fact that obviously he was a blues guitarist, mm. but blues has a lot of piano yeah, 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 yeah. Has, that influenced your choice of choosing the piano as an instrument or no, was it more the teacher yeah. no not at all yeah, it was yeah. my mum your mum <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. mum was like we're gonna learn the piano so okay, okay okay cool it was more the cello that was my choice because okay. I was a bit older and I just felt really drawn to it um but um yeah but I but I it takes a long time if you've started classical to try and like there's been so many points where I've tried to kind of like cross into jazz and kind of get some jazz lessons and it's just it's like a completely different hat you know mm. my improvising is okay but it's you know again it's like it's only ever for songwriting um whereas I I don't have the kind of exploratory like improvisatory freedom mm. that you know that 
a proper jazz musician would have or even a blue you know uh and I don't have a very strong like I can't do like a left hand proper blues kind mm. of um bass which I would love to maybe one day <laughs> um but yeah yeah, yeah. um okay. so it was an influence but but probably not you know um I was like very into you know I did a lot of classical stuff up until the age of like 18 basically mm. you know yeah, yeah um and beyond that um but it's, it's when you're in that kind of box it's quite hard to kind of yeah step out of that so be- um, because obviously classical music is 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 the way the compositions work is mm. diff- quite different very different yeah and you're practicing like... you're practicing how to play that piece yeah you know and that's what your practice is and that's something that took a long time to get my head around I'm like if I'm if I'm not playing classical stuff like what do I practice mm. <laughs> which is quite a fundamental thing you know like what physically what do I sit down and do for an hour you know do I play jazz scales I don't know any jazz scales <laughs> but it, t- it turns out yes you, you can you can practice jazz scales yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you practice improvising but I'm too lazy basically yeah um but yeah but, but I guess is, yeah it's the improvisation structure yeah, yeah. yeah if you've been so used to being like okay I do my scales I do my studies um I work on that bit in the Ravel which is really hard mm-hmm. and then I kind of you know I always had a problem with practicing I've never I think that's why I knew that I would never fully fully go um, classical, you know, from, I think I kind of knew that from when I was about 14, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just can't practice for longer than about two hours. I just kind of max out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just knew that I would never have that level of dedication to, mm-hmm. um, to it. But I was still, you know, more classical than your average, you know, I hear some, some cool kind of singer-songwriters being like, or like, you know, people in bands being like, oh, I just couldn't do the classical thing. I just, you know, didn't want to practice. Whereas I totally wanted to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I like pleasing people. <laughs> I like impressing people. And I really, you know, um, I soon understood when I was about six that like, if I got really good at the piano, like that was going to be my way of kind of, you know, I'm the youngest of five. Mm. And I pretty much realized that like, that could be my thing. You know, music could be my thing. Yeah. So... I just practiced loads. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very young age to realise in a way. Yeah. Um, well, it, it must have been subconscious, but yeah, I, I, th- yeah, I definitely got it, you know. And I liked having my thing that felt for me, mm. you know, yeah. in the way that kind of everyone does when you're younger. You want to have your thing. And I think that is an amazing thing about music, that, yeah. you know, to have it as a young child. Um, it does give you a sense of purpose and identity, you know, if you like the one who's good at music or the mm. one who's good at, whatever like that gives you a huge sense of like inner confidence you know even if you're not outwardly hugely confident you know it gives you that quiet sense of like no I've got my thing Mm. we're fine (laughs) you do what you want like I'm going to always have this thing Mm. that you don't have or that you know or that maybe you know it's it's an amazing sense of like finding communities like Mm. when you're at school and stuff finding like-minded people you know when you share something like that that's really powerful too mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah I think that's very true looking at some kids as well yeah. um, in my family it's it's having that inner confidence yeah. that you know I can do this I yeah, can tackle yeah. this if you have one thing that you're good at I really think you know and psychologically you know for, for children as well it, it like it's backed up by loads of research you know 
being good at something and, and or, or feeling that you're good at something. It doesn't even need to mean that you're amazing at it. Mm-hmm. If you feel confident, if you feel competent, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of stuff that we have to read for Suzuki training. And it's amazing because it's, you know, um, it definitely works, you know. And the, the instilling that actually to get good at something, you need to practice it. It doesn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. Like talent is actually not a thing, you know. You need to nurture something. You need to practice it every day, you know. Um, and if you practice it, you will get better. There's mm-hmm. no other outcome. You will definitely get better. And you'll feel better as you get better, <laughs> you know. Um, and and they, they're really simple things. But for children, I think they're so useful to learn. Because I think now, particularly, there's a lot of this, I don't know, all that stuff with, like, X Factor, where it's just, like... Instant fame, I guess. She, you know, yeah. she grew up in a pond <laughs> and then you know no one around her was like you know she she doesn't practice she just like she can sing like an angel how does it happen and now she's in a band you know um like I just don't think that is a um a worthwhile lesson to be teaching because yeah. you do have to practice everyone's worked hard mm. if they're good at something you've probably done it for 10,000 hours yeah and that's why you're good at it and it really is as simple as that obviously there are the top small percentage of people who are who are just truly excellent you know but they've also practiced you know yeah it's not easy for anyone basically and I think that's a really really important lesson um and if I hear like you know my nephew or nieces saying oh I'm rubbish at this I'm rubbish at that you know I think it's really important to kind of like try and break that down with them being like well a are you actually rubbish at it you know and b like when was the last time you really sat down and practiced at this thing you Mm. know um because it's too easy and I hear parents say it as well and it's really damaging when I was teaching I would be like never tell your child that they're good or bad at something Mm. you know you praise them for the work that they've done Mm. praise them for the effort Mm. but not for the product not for the achievement Mm -hmm. you know praise them for the for the the time that they've put in for being there yeah and for trying you know um because when yeah like when I hear a child say like oh I'm rubbish at this I just you know, age six, I just think there can be nothing sadder, really, mm. you know, for them to already be... Um, feeling that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for them to be feeling it and for them to be kind of self-assessing in that way, I think is, is like, not what a six-year-old should be worried about, you know. Mm. They should just be playing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, it's true. It's the most important lesson that yeah. you can give anyone is practice and you can achieve great things yeah, yeah, and yeah, definitely. get better. Definitely. Um Okay, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, coming back to girls and women in music, uh-huh. I was interested in hearing your as a woman yourself, yeah, um, and having worked with girls from London who actually work and help girls, especially yeah. young girls, gain confidence yeah. when they make music, but actually anything else, yeah. like just gain confidence in something that they do, and they use music to do it, yeah. And um, like, have have you like how how have you experienced like the music industry as a woman? Kind of seeing that if has something changed in in terms of programmation, for example, and mm. um, or has yeah, it's kind still of interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. It's still. I mean, I haven't like. T- I've got friends who have written about this extensively, and I have not. You know, um, if you were to ask me today whether I feel like I kind of get, you know, actively if I've experienced discrimination, um, then 
for me personally, probably not that much. I don't feel, you know, like it's a much bigger thing that exists, like with programming, for example, like that is a problem. Um, and yeah, I definitely know kind of people who, for example, like for festivals and stuff, they're probably at stage up from me in terms of like how much money they can command at a festival. Um, and uh, it's always a bit less than then. It just seems that way. Um, so there's weird stuff like that. Um, and, but I, I really, like, I know so many women who are really, like, mobilising mm -hmm. in a way that yeah. I find really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, in what ways are they, like, yeah. Well, like, even just putting on your own shows yeah. and, you know, um, like on this tour, like, I, you know, I don't have an agent, mm. so I book all my shows myself. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I, I just, I love this kind of energy now that we've created with a few mm. other artists, mm. you know, and we all um, just support each other's work and um, there's just something really lovely about that and I think we definitely have a sort of sense of community where maybe elsewhere there isn't such a sense of community, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I think as when artists are working together, there's not really anything anyone can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, to stop you but then I say that but I'm still at a you know I, I would say I'm at a fairly kind of low rung of the industry do you know what I mean I'm, I'm not kind of um I'm not like um I don't know um so I think yeah as in I, I definitely know it is an issue and it, it affects other people on a day-to-day -day basis you know I have friends anecdotes from good friends of mine who have really seen it, you know, up close, you know, mm -hmm. one who like had to sit down her manager and just explain to him, he just started working with her and she was just like, you'll find it harder to pitch me as a producer because I'm a woman. And he was just like, no, that's not true. That's mm -hmm. not, that can't be true. And she was like, no, trust me. Like, I know it. I know it to be true. And you'll, you'll, you'll just, I'm just saying, like, you're going to have harder work. Like, you're going to have more work to do. Mm -mm. And he was just like, come on, it's 2018. Next day, they go into a meeting. Um, and uh, these people are like, wait, so, so you produce these tracks as well. Like, so you wrote them and then what you sent them off to be produced. And she was, you know, she was like, no, I, I her manager was like, no, she, um, she did the did writing, everything. did everything, produced mm -hmm. it, you know, mixed it. Um, and they were like, wow cool well done you kind of thing, you know <laughs> and that still exists and he came out of that meeting just being like oh my god like I had no idea you know because I think all of their other acts that they manage are male yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and then suddenly you see it yeah yeah up front. but it's good that men but as it's well good that it as well. it's yeah, good yeah, yeah. they totally saw it and they were like right okay that I've just seen it I've seen that thing in action now and now they believe it you know because mm. there's a lot of 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 that that goes on with people being like, eh, you know, it can't be that much of a big deal. So it's like, no, it totally is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, for me, probably the most, you know, it's just been most recently, obviously being like visibly pregnant and stuff is, um, um, you know, that's been a whole separate set of kind of things for me to think about. Like, do I announce it online? You know, I feel quite strongly that a male artist wouldn't announce that his partner's pregnant, you know, because um, it, it wouldn't be really relevant. I don't think it would be, you know, um, but because it's my body that it happens to be, you know, 
I have to grow it yeah. <laughs> and carry it around with me. Um, Looking fabulous, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know, but but it's yeah. So it's different, and I and I basically didn't want to make an issue of it online because I had an album coming out, and I really felt strongly that it would be a bit of a distraction because people are quite you know, and I'm the same, but like, you know, your social media thing, people just take what they want to take from it and mm. they will take whatever you project. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it would be a distraction. You mm. know, I was, I've worked so hard on the album and, and I didn't want there to be this other thing of being like, oh, well, she's pregnant. So that'll be it now. You mm. know, as in that is so prevalent in the mm -hmm. industry, you know, it's like, oh, you'll take a year off. It's like, no, I'm not going to take a year off. Like, mm. I can't take a year off, mm -hmm. you know? Like I was saying before, like, I can't afford to take a year off. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, the baby might come out and I might feel completely differently and just, you know, retire from all all engagements. But um, but I don't think I will. Mm. Um, and I'm always going to need to write and perform, I think. So, um, yeah, and I... Uh, the other thing that annoys me, sorry, while I'm just thinking about it, is people assuming that uh, if you have an understanding partner, that's a that's an an unusual position to be in, you know. So I've had a few people, and my friend has had this too. People being like, "Oh, well, aren't you lucky? You know, it's all right for some. You know, you've got a kind of partner who's going to support." And I was like, "Who's going to support me creatively? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, who yeah. cares about my welfare and happiness through being able to, you know." keep writing <laughs> it would be pretty weird if I ended up getting married to someone who actively tried to suppress that yeah, you know, yeah. and not support me through it you know <laughs> that would be weird yeah, um yeah. whereas it's kind of this like well yeah lucky for you you know kind of thing <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. lucky you've got a kind of whatever doormat who's just gonna stay at home and look after stuff and you know, and even going touring sometimes, that really frustrates me. Sorry, <laughs> you've got me started. I'm like, yeah, oh, and this. <laughs> this annoys me too. But that drives me insane when people are like, God, and what does what does your partner do when you're away? Yeah. And I'm like, he, you know, goes to the toilet by himself, <laughs> yeah. like makes his own dinner, you know. Um, it drives me mad. And yeah. it would never be a question that would be asked of a male artist, mm. you know. Mm -hmm what does your wife do while you're at, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're touring, you know, and that's the thing, like, for people that I have toured with, you know, they've left really small children at home, and I'm just like, shit, like, that's impressive, you know, that you've got her holding down the fort with two small children, mm -hmm. you know, for a week by yeah, herself, yeah. you know, she's the one that should be out here getting interviews, because <laughs> like, that's impressive, you know, all we're doing is, like, driving around, eating lunch, eating dinner, doing a show, going to bed, like, you know, it's like a holiday, basically, mm. sometimes, um, compared to, like, bringing up small children. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think it's great that you share that as well, because it's so important to hear mm. the, the background story of, well, being an artist and how you're often perceived or how yeah. you're kind of... Yeah. Um, so I think it's really great that you share that as well. Yeah, um, and I think it's good for people to be aware of it because I don't think people realise how annoying it is, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the time. Like yesterday, you know, this guy was really lovely when we did this gig, you know, they were... Uh, he was just kind of saying, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to say this. I don't want it to be demeaning. But, you know, I think it's great that you're still touring, <laughs> you know, that you're still doing gigs and, you know, you're nearly eight months pregnant. And I was mm -hmm. like, fine, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can say it without the baggage, without the kind of like 
slightly like, oh God, you should think about slowing down. It's just like, it's no concern of yours. No, <laughs> you know, I have a doctor, I'll chat to them if I'm worried. You know, I don't need like some stranger coming up telling me like, you're going to be okay. You know, like just probably time just to start, you know, it's like, no, I need to keep working. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's not, you know, it's not, um, I'm not an athlete. I'm not like weightlifting um, or even like a nine to five job. You know, I'm astonished at like, how, uh, you know, just going on public transport in London exhausts me at this mm. stage. I don't know how you would do it, like, doing that and a, and a full-time... It's survival course. Yeah. It's it through really... survival sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I find that a lot more impressive than than basically being driven around the country and having to play for, like, an hour a night. It's, it's not, you know... Yeah, it's been fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm very excited to... Kind of hear what you're going to do next so you, you were telling me um earlier that you were um your basically your projects in the next month is yeah that you're working on a musical yeah can you tell us a bit more about that as well and yeah kind of, yeah so well, we have one it. show yeah. one show that's touring now so it yeah. opened um in the middle of september and that will be kind of all the way around the country and then it has a christmas run um in keswick i think at theater on the lake um and then uh so that one's called hey diddle diddle and it's kind of like a nonsense show for really young children it's really fun um there is a farting sandwich oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um it's really it's just like a really fun joyful very very silly show like very surreal mm. and kind of and the soundtrack that we made is like kind of like a vinyl crackle 1940s you know like almost like silly symphonies you know kind of um lots of like choreographed puppet movement to music it's really fun um and then uh and then we're doing a show with Cornerstone Arts Centre which will be Pied Piper and that's a big show five adult actors actor musicians and then 15 children in each show um So that's like a musical mm -hmm. with songs. Mm -hmm. um, and then and then the other one is Finding Santa, which we um, haven't started writing yet, but we'll, we'll write this yeah. month. Um, and that sounds really fun too, actually. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. So the mm -hmm. audience choose. Uh, they have three different decisions to make in the show, and they can decide which scene they want to come next. Okay. It's like so, a storytelling, but ch yeah. choose-your-own-story type of... Oh, exactly, choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, um, so you kind of everyone goes through the first two scenes, and then the audience have to decide whether they want to go to the, the, up the mountain pass or like along to the frosted lake, yeah. um, and so and then we just kind of create musical, um, palettes yeah. for all of those situations. That so. will be amazing though, because it will make it kind of it's like an extra challenge. Obviously, it's yeah. always a different show yeah oh completely so for the actors yeah there will be like scenes that maybe aren't so common and they end up never doing them or mm. you know um it's fun for them i think yeah they, they don't have the same show every night you know it's always going to be different yeah. i say every night it's like 11 a.m and 1 p.m because <laughs> it's for children yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah i love little angel is such a sweet theater it's really worth mm -hmm. if you you know they, so it's little angels in islington right yeah yeah, yeah exactly okay. Um, and it's in their studio, and that opens on, uh, it opens on the, I think it might actually be on my due date, basically, on the 15th, 
6th, 17th of November, maybe the 19th, I can't remember. So mid-November somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah mid-November, yeah. it kind of runs through to yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can add it, I will, I will add it to the show notes yeah, so people yeah, can yeah. find it. Right. Um, yeah. But about the music then that you write for it, is it, you? so basically you read the script and then you try to make music to it? Yeah, basically. Um, it's me and Will Dollars, who also mm. plays in Lethal Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, every show is different. Sometimes um, we'll kind of come in with a set idea of, of what we want to do, or, or the writer will say, you know, this is kind of what I'm hearing. It just depends. Um, but for this, I think it will be, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I think we, you know, we have a list of scenes that will need music. Um, and then maybe a few like articulated bits where, you know, like a giraffe falls over kind of thing mm-hmm. that will need like a, like a small vocal yeah. thing or, yeah. Yeah, or like a, uh, so like between moments and scenes basically, someone, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen the most recent draft of the script, I think yeah. I'm still writing it, so we're just waiting for that basically. Very cool. Um, but yeah, it's really fun and it's nice just, yeah, it's, it's just a completely different kind of muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's good. And will it all, all, will you play the piano also be there or will it be like um, several instruments? Oh no, it's all, it's pre-recorded. It's like a band. Oh, it's pre-recorded. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. yeah, as in we record yeah. it and then, no, I'm going to be busy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, No, so we, we create all the tracks before mm. yeah. and then we just kind of give them, so it's all pre-recorded. Um, yeah. Because there's only two musicians on stage, and they're, they're going to be, or three, um, and they're going to be just acting. So it's kind of like, you know, the the, the music will be cued by technicians. By technicians, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, probably with this one, it's always, you know, drawing on stuff that we've done, but that we play. So like piano, cello, Will plays trumpet, um, and then maybe kind of some synthy stuff. Um, and we record it all at home onto Logic mm. and then just get it mixed and that's it. Yeah, and okay, then, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think this is a perfect time to go into the quick fire quiz. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, it, it's, um, so what is the album or song that has impacted you the most and why has it impacted you? Oh, God. Quick fire. Okay. <laughs> Uh, no pressure <laughs> no. do you know what I'll just say Jeff Buckley Grace oh okay yeah because yeah. I first heard that when I was about 17 and I just thought it was one of the most amazing like so angsty as well you know like you can't listen to it and not you know just be pulled in mm. uh, and I listened to it hundreds of times at school uh, and through uni so yeah I'll say that yeah it's a it's an amazing song. It's, no, yeah. I mean the album. The album, also yeah, yeah, Grace. yeah, yeah, yeah. Grace, also yeah. Grace as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one of particularly Grace. It's one of those songs. Whenever you hear it, you're just like, God. Just as soon as that guitar thing comes in, you're mm. like, Wow, this is such a great song. <laughs> it's just amazing. I'm. So... I love his voice as well. I just think mm. his voice is so. It was so yeah, just an amazing voice, um, and so distinctive. Um, uh, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, it's crazy what music can do to you. Mm. Um, I was actually at this 
uh, the gig uh, recently and it physically was affecting me mm. <laughs> in a way that I had never felt before because mm. it was so deep and so I don't know it's strange yeah but it's amazing yeah it's just amazing yeah what it can do to you so then a recommendation by of work by another female musician and why her um I was loads I'll do one famous and one not because I, I was just thinking Jeff Buckley so Jonas Policewoman I don't know if you've ever yeah, listened yeah, to her yeah, stuff totally. like the her, girlfriend of Jeff Buckley yeah. basically yeah her latest oh. album is just brilliant I just I've listened to it a lot already and it takes me a long time to kind of especially with recent music if it just kind of pops up on Spotify like I feel like I don't engage with it in the same way as I used to if I'd go and buy the album or whatever but that album I just I think it's a brilliant album I love like every single song on there is you know um it's just really strong um and it's kind of yeah it's kind of groovy but also I love her voice as well um so but weirdly I don't think as many people know about her as as they could like I'm surprised sometimes with friends I'm like Jonas Policeman come on <laughs> yeah I, I used to listen um, to her a lot but for example I didn't know that she was making new music again yeah 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 so I'll definitely listen to her album it's now it's really really good yeah yeah I can't remember what it's called I never remember the title of the album or in fact any of the songs but um I think it might be called The Silence okay or maybe that's just one of the songs um so Jonas Policewoman and um I mean, there's loads of artists that I'm, you know, that I've been working with. Um, weirdly, like, I went, I played a gig a few weeks ago, and there was this um, woman called Charlie Daw, who, you know, is kind of in her 60s now, um, and she was just brilliant. She was kind of like a, she's written with everyone. She's written with Tina Turner, and, you know, she's kind of like a proper, but now she just kind of, I guess does her own thing and you know they do these quite modest sized you know we, we it wasn't a huge venue where we were playing um but I found her so inspiring the way that she the way that she puts songs together and she's a very kind of thoughtful you know she'll have a song about space or you know about her last album was called Dark Matter um and really playful like she's got lots of songs about her dog <laughs> um and uh yeah, she's been around for a long time and, and, and has, you know, probably doesn't need me telling people about her. But, I, but yeah, she was someone that I played with this month and I was just like, yeah. oh, that's really inspiring. You know, she was, every song just said something to me, you know, mm. which is quite rare when you see someone for the first time and you're like, you know, I just kind of want to be a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I hang out with her. And then it turned out that Alva, my friend who I've also been writing with, has also written with her, so she was like, "No way, you met Charlie Dor," and I was like, "I knew I liked her for a reason." <laughs> um, so yeah, Alva's a big fan too. Um, I, I I didn't know her, so I'll definitely look her no, up. No, no, yeah. I mean it's you know it's the kind of thing. It's um I I've only heard that last album, um, and um, yeah, production wise, it's probably on a kind of folkier, like acoustic end of things, mm. um, but just lyrically, you know, she's very very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um, she has, she must have tremendous experience well, just by having worked with so many artists. As... Exactly. And she was someone who, like, I think has gone through the mill of, like, having a big record deal and mm. then stepping away from it. And um, I don't know how many albums she said she's written. It was a lot. Okay. 
like 15 or something um, or 15 post record deal or something like that like it was mm. insane okay <laughs> that's amazing yeah okay. just astonishing it's amazing um, um it's always great to hear about like mm. artists that are yeah. kind of out there they're so experienced but yeah. you actually never came across them no before. exactly because it's not you know she's probably won't get radio play and stuff now and i don't know as in it's a slightly different mm. um yeah different bit of the industry yeah um, okay very cool what are you currently reading if you're reading anything that's a very good question yeah. because I've my brain has been so like for the last two months pretty much I've literally and it's awful like I love reading I was re in fact Edward Lear's biography but I haven't finished it because I left it in Porto um, but I've been in this weird state of like yeah, I've just literally just been thinking about the album for yeah. two months straight now, mm. you know. And so every time I'll sit down on a train or have a spare moment, I just, I, I'm completely out of the habit with, mm. um, I've listened to some podcasts, but I've really found it very hard to get back into, uh, into a book. Mm. It's been really frustrating because I, yeah, it's almost that kind of attention deficit thing. <laughs> like, I was quite worried about it for a point because, yeah, I love I love mm. reading. Mm. Um, but um, when you're either touring or, you know, there's just been so much going on this month. Mm. Um, also, as we're kind of moving back to the UK, so there's, like, just life admin stuff and then also, just you know, just, like, the level of social media mm. activity mm. that you kind of need to have to to like try and support a release as best you can you know you're just kind of thinking about it all the time um and and I hate it <laughs> it would be yeah I I'm trying to work out a way next month of just scheduling all that stuff yeah. and not having yeah. to look at my phone all the time um, I'll give you one of my favorite books yeah it's called Shadow of the Winds oh okay it's written by Carlos Ruiz Safon Oh, it's it's an amazing book. I haven't read it in, it's like more than 10 years since yeah. I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's such an amazing book. I should oh, read great. it again now. Okay, yeah. Okay, well then that's a good start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, the Edward Lear biography I was yeah. loving before that. It's just yeah. very long. And yeah. It's a hardback, so I can't really travel with it. Um, but I have like 50 pages left. It's really annoying. I wanted to finish it before I left Porto. Mm. Um, but just didn't quite manage it, but really interesting about his life as an artist mm -hmm. and um, he actually used basically pledge campaigns like he would find subscribers he would think of this next project that he wanted to do you know this was in like the 19th century in London um, and he would say I want to go to Corsica and I want to paint 50 little paintings or whatever and this is how much money I'm going to need for the frames mm -hmm. and you know whatever else um, and the printing he's going to print um, and he would just find subscribers so he would find patrons you know um, which I found really interesting you know because it hasn't really changed that much now no you know, it's basically no. what I've been doing <laughs> with, the, with the album so it's good I was like if Edward Lear does it then that kind of legitimizes the whole thing yeah. even more um, yeah I love yeah. Pledge I think it's really a great way of, yeah. doing, of bringing your album or anything to kind of the I literally don't know how people would do it, how I, I would have done it without, you mm. know. Um, I know that there's still slight kind of like stigma 
that it's like asking for money, but it, except it's not because you're getting an album. Absolutely. Um, but um, I think I've moved. I've moved past it now, but I still find myself trying to justify mm. it to people. Mm-hmm. If um, especially even other musicians, I'm just like quite apart from anything else. Like it's it's you know it's a it's a it's the the relationship that you get with fans mm. as well. You know, I get these weird emails because I always email everyone who pledges mm. to find out where they've come from and if I don't know them already and I love finding out you know it's like a it's like a kind of massive online record mm. shop you know where you can find an independent artist you know this guy from California who was a record shop a store owner for like 20 years and he bought like a test pressing of the vinyl and another and like a normal vinyl mm. um bought both <laughs> um and he just found it on pledge you know, and just really, really liked it. <laughs> um, and that's amazing, you know. And now we can have this nice little, it's Bob, it's his name. Um, and he found me on Facebook and, you know, and it's it's just lovely. You yeah. know, one day maybe we'll meet. I'll do a gig there and, yeah. you know, um, I just, yeah, that that is the real joy, particularly of touring as well, when mm. you do get to meet these people who have kind of followed you and, you know, been in touch and... Um, there's just nothing better than that when mm. you when you stumble across for me as well you know for someone else's music if you stumble across something that you end up really loving mm. you know and then you meet that person and you're like oh now I have a whole new kind of like yeah. imprint to this kind of relationship and what I think about when I think of that person's music you know it's um, so yeah it's lovely yeah, how you can get stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you can really grow a community, and totally. it's the same yeah. like lots of startups as well. They use Kickstarter. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of a very accepted way of yeah, of, of just getting the ball getting on. the product out and and exactly. in the market. And it means you can make whatever music you want to make mm. as long as you've got the backing. You yeah, know? yeah, it's yeah. an amazing. Yeah. She makes war. This um, yeah, yeah, Laura in um, Bristol, and she's like, you know, she's got to the point now where she can mobilize like mm. a serious amount of people. Mm. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, I think she has a new album out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, greater impact, but you know, um, it's incredible. And she's just done that by like relentlessly touring mm. and just like getting a bloody massive mailing list, you know. And that is power, you know. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, no, totally me as well. Mm. Uh, I've seen her live yeah. several times. Yeah. Um. Okay, final question. Yeah. What is your favourite invention and why? Oh, God. Favourite <laughs> invention. Uh, I'm going to say, because it's on the top of my mind, a coffee frother, a milk frother. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just brings me so much joy. Like, it's such a part of our routine, particularly when we were in Portugal. Do we have any nice coffee here? But making coffee with a... Uh, what's it called, Aeropress, mm. and then frothing the milk in the milk frother. And, you know, it's like you live in a cafe. <laughs> it's true, it's true. It, it gives you like, that extra... It really does pizzazz. <laughs> and, it, um, and like, I'd say something that I use daily that has really impacted my life in a positive way, I would say would be the milk frother. Okay, very cool, very cool. Okay. <laughs> it's nice and easy. Um... So yeah, um, I mean, thank you so much for the no the interview. Um, it was really awesome chatting. And just maybe final like um, things. How can people get in touch with you if they would like to get in touch with you? Find your album. Um, 
Well, if they want to get in touch with me, just email me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, music at gmail.com. It's really easy. Yeah. Um, but if they want to buy my music, I mean, um, I know that most people use Spotify now, mm. and that's fine, as long as you click follow and you save my music, you save the album, because that helps me in my stats. Um, and in fact, do that with any artist that you like. Save their music. Because mm. all of that kind of traction and all of that activity mm. around music of a particular artist will help that artist out mm. and if you add it to your playlists all mm. that kind of stuff you know if you have a song that you like you know don't just play it over and over again <laughs> and yeah. share it or you know all of that it all helps with the old spotify algorithms um but if you want to buy it which is obviously even more helpful um because you still have to get about i think a hundred maybe a thousand streams to generate the same it's always better to buy the music. Yeah. Um, and it's all up on Bandcamp now. Um, I'm pledging the, the pledge stuff I'm going to be setting up this weekend, basically. Mm. Uh, and uh, once that's all out, yeah, the, the, the physical will go into Bandcamp. Mm. So, like, vinyl now, which is very exciting. Which um, I've seen, it looks amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Um, and, um, yeah, we've got some nice merch now. Vinyl, we've got postcards, um... For this this guy who did the I, I didn't show them to you properly but I will in a minute but um yeah he did an individual drawing for each song on the album mm. so we have eleven postcards okay very cool um and uh, and obviously the CDs too which are lovely little like notebooks they're really cute too uh so yeah it's all on Bandcamp okay that's the best place to buy for okay. anyone okay any artist that you want to support Bandcamp is yeah. Normally the best place to do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. I will add it to the, to the show notes as well so people can easily find it. Right. So, amazing. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much. And You're thanks, welcome. everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, talk to you very soon again. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>